0: Thank you so much to all of our worship leaders, and uh, we welcome those that are watching in LifePoint as well. And let's take our Bibles, and let's turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8 this morning, just a quick two-part series called What the Future Holds. And um, you never uh, quite know what a certain day is going to bring you. It can bring you some great challenges. It can bring you some sudden disaster. You're never quite sure about the coming days or the coming weeks, and, and so I would not want to give you uh, what I think are all of those answers, but, but it would not be right to say that we don't know what the future holds, because there are some things we're absolutely certain that the future does hold, and we as believers can rejoice in that this morning, that it can encourage you and strengthen you to know what the future holds. So we're going to look at a couple of those things, and we're also going to look what that means for us as a church and what that means for us as a believers. If God has this in the future for us, how do we prepare for that? And so this two-part series is just going to talk about what the future holds. I was going a different direction a couple of days ago and just took a... I just felt led to go uh, take a right-hand turn and, uh, and go to the book of Romans chapter 8. And I think this is a needed word, a comforting word, a challenging word for all of us. Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse 18, or 19, I believe, 18. Listen to what it says. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time... So there's the present. And the present has some sufferings in it. The Apostle Paul's writing. He's writing to the Romans, the Christians, and he's saying, there are sufferings in this present time. But they are not worth comparing with the glory that in the future and he looks to the future, is to be revealed to us. So there's something coming in the future that's going to be unveiled, revealed, and Paul says, oh, this is going to be good. And we can't even compare the present sufferings to that. But then he he hones in on some of the things we can expect. Look at what it says in verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revelation, the revealing, Of the sons of God. Now that is you and me. We are the sons. The children of God. He's not talking about angels here. He's talking about human beings. That are now followers of Christ. We're going to be revealed. You say well I'm here. Look at me. Well there's a different revealing of you. That's going to happen one day. That we have to look forward to. For the creation. Was subjected to futility. Not willingly. But because of him who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will. Now this puts it where? In the future. The creation will in the future be set free from its bondage to corruption. And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Let's pray together. Father, as we open this text, as we look ahead, as we understand what we can expect, what the future holds, take away the fear, Lord Jesus. Let us not be quickly shaken. but may we lift our heads and wait with patience and endurance. May we be about your business. As the body of Christ in this world. I ask that you would speak through your word to us this morning. In Jesus name. Amen. That last verse talks about pains in childbirth. How many of you have had pains in childbirth? Just raise your hand. I shouldn't see any guys. Okay. No guys. We can have what's called sympathy pregnancy. Right. And I had that with some of my children. In fact I hadn't gotten over it yet. What sympathy pregnancy is, is that weight gain. You just kind of feel sorry and you want, they want to eat and you think you can eat just like they eat during that. But anyway, I digress. Let me get back onto this. But the pains of childbirth is something that Paul pulled out of the passage in the context of looking in the future. And so uh, it, it drew my attention to the idea of expectation. And you and I as believers... We're expecting something. We have great expectation of something marvelous. I'll never forget the day when Sarah called me and said they heard a heartbeat. Now you think that, and that heartbeat turned into what is now a 25-year-old boy named Andrew. My firstborn. He's a human being. But it started with a a word of expectation. There's There's a heartbeat in there. And then eventually we had an ultrasound and we saw a frame. And they took a guess if it was a boy or a girl. So, you, And you think that was a unique turn of events. And we kind of were expecting that. We were hoping to be expecting. We were expecting to be expecting. And then we were expecting. But we didn't know what we were in for, did we? Right? Then a few years later, well, a lot, number of years later, I'll never forget that day when my future took another different turn. And Sarah called me and said, there's two heartbeats. (laughs) Boom. Three to five kids overnight. Man. We thought we knew what we were doing, and we didn't know what... We didn't quite know when we were expecting twins what it was going to involve. But we knew by the fourth and fifth children, we knew that there was going to be this mixture of pain... And pleasure. That's kind of the life of parenting. It's kind of the process of giving birth. There's a mixture of pain. And there's a mixture of pleasure. And there's this glorious appearing. Right? And you're expecting that. And you live for that day. And it's exciting. And moms, especially new moms. I mean, it's just they start looking. Just God gives them a, a glow. And that's no kidding. There is a glow. As they're expecting Folks, you are expecting something remarkable. You are to be living in a state of expectation. Here's why. Hebrews 9.28 9, 28 says, When Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, He will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who just can't wait to see Him. Who are eagerly waiting for Him. We're expecting a glorious appearing. Luke 21, verse 25, Jesus is talking. He says, and there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress, however, in nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of heaven will be shaken. And then they will see. What well, we talked about over the last few weeks. They will see the Son of Man coming with a cloud, on a cloud, in a cloud, with power and great glory. Now when they see these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing nigh. Jesus, Jesus told his disciples. He said, and if I go, John 14, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will what? Come again, and I will take you to my To myself, that where I am, there you may be also. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ here this morning, and I don't take for granted all of you are, some of you are checking this out. And here's something you really need to know about the Christian faith it's not all about just the first coming of Christ, we expect a second coming. He had a glorious appearing where He came and He died on a cross for our sin. He resurrected from the dead. But but the second half of this story is there. We are living right now in a state of continual expectation. And one day we expect to see the clouds open up and our Savior return. And we get to see Him face to face. And so if you're a Christian, you need to know you're expecting the return of Christ. You're expecting. Now... what's interesting is when we were expecting uh the twins we had a good deal of experience we'd had andrew caleb and luke and we we knew kind of the whole birth experience that was going to be crazy that's crazy thank goodness i mean it, it is amazing how your ladies survived that event but god designed you to do that it's just an amazing thing and uh then we, we kind of had some experience with changing diapers. We knew some of the expectations of that. But with the first child, you really just didn't know. And so we had a book. And I have a picture of this book. How many of you recognize this book? It's called What to Expect When You're Expecting. Any of you moms ever had that book? It's like a best-selling book. What to Expect When You're Expecting. And then I just was thinking about this. is That's really for us what the Bible is. The Bible gives us what this book gives new moms, moms that aren't quite sure, moms that hadn't been through it. We're expecting, but we have this period of time, and we don't know how long it's going to be. We know it's, it may be nine months, <laughs> or it may be nine years, or nine centuries. We're just not really sure about that, but the Bible tells us what to expect When we're expecting, and there are some things you can expect to happen in your future. This thing, this book tells you, moms, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be some signs that you're with child. And then you're going to begin to show, and there's going to be growth. There'll be weight gain. There'll be all sorts of things. Here are some bad things you need to keep an eye out for, and here are some good things you need to be keeping out. And the Bible says the same thing for you and me. And this passage in Romans gives us some of these things we can expect when we're expecting The two things that I want to pull out today, well, three, really, is there are pains. The second is there is a plan. And then third, there are to be preparations while we are expecting the return of the Lord Jesus. And you say, well, what are some of the things we need to be looking out for before the return? You know, in all of my study, I don't think there's a whole lot left to be looking for. There are some things that will be increasing. But we have Israel as a nation. We've got all of the worldwide connectivity. We've got all the technology to destroy the world. Everything is in place. I think there's one thing that you and I need to be ready for. I believe there will be a rapture of the church. a, a, A taking up of the church. And I don't know that there's anything between here and there. Except the things that we're going to point out today. That we're going to point out today in this chapter. So let's look at these verses just again. Uh, again, Look at verse 18. He says, for I consider that there are sufferings. What kind of sufferings? Well, look at verse 19. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. So there is going to be a futility and a suffering. In the creative order, in the universe, in the world. This is what Paul is talking about. In our flesh, in the animals, in the bacteria, in the atomic structures, in the chemical bonds. There is this law of entropy and law of, second, law of thermodynamics. There is a decay that is set in to the world and it is groaning. The creation is groaning. Look at verse 21. The creation itself desires... And you can go out and ask your dog or you can ask your squirrels or your birds this. And they're not going to say, you know, I'm really groaning for this. I can't wait till Jesus comes back. They don't know for sure. They're not conscious of this. But the creation itself is groaning. And we, we will have groanings. And think about childbirth pains. And this is Paul's analogy. He says it's like childbirth pains, contractions. And so you will have periods and you will have uh, contractions that are very painful. I remember watching the chart and we would see the, 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 the chart tick and Sarah would feel it, you know. And we could, I could watch it, she could feel it. But there would be periods of relief and periods of that. And then as we got closer to the glorious appearing, they got more and more rapid. They got stronger and stronger. More and more painful. Shorter, briefer periods of Relief. I think that's what we can expect to see in the future. There will be groanings in the created order. The creation groans around us. We experience creation groans when tens of thousands die in an earthquake or are washed away in a tsunami. You and I groan when we see starving Children and poached elephants and missing children on the back of milk cartons. Creation groans. We groan when we see Alzheimer's rob our spouses or our relatives of their memories. And their personalities change. And, and some of you are going through some of these creation groans. And you groan when the, when the x-ray or the MRI shows something that's not supposed to be there. And, it, and you get a doctor. A doctor groans when he delivers you the news. This is inoperable. This is terminal. And so we, we just encounter continual creation groans You know, I saw a bumper sticker here in Gainesville. You see some interesting bumper stickers in Gainesville, but this one said, Darwin loves you. I said, not really. Creation doesn't love me. Creation is really designed to kill me. Creation is groaning because sin has set it on a course towards death and we are all facing death. And, and uh, we groan as global temperatures go up or they go down uh, as, as we see famines sweep in and come out and disease spread and viruses mutate and make us sick. All of this is, is in this category of the groaning of creation. The groaning of creation. And there's a futility of it in verse 20. And that word futility means frailty or purposelessness. And it, and it is and, and what we need to know about this. And why we need to consider this in the future. Is so that we, we do things correctly. You see... We need to have the proper perspective on creation and the groaning of creation. And we need to exercise proper ministry. And so let me just tell you uh, what Matthew 24, 6 says. Jesus says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place. Now this comes from the the mouth of Jesus. And so you're going to see war, wars and rumors of wars. And you're going to see them in intensification. They'll be stronger and more powerful. And we've seen that in the 20th century. There will be less t- periods of peace in between the contractions of wars and rumors of wars. And so we see uh, our carrier fleets going towards uh, North Korea, and we see people trying to become nuclear powers. And Jesus says in Matthew twenty four six, "You will hear this, you will see it. Do not be alarmed. This is what your future holds. This must take place, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning." Of the birth pains. I think Paul picked up the idea of birth pains from Jesus. He said those labor pains. Jesus kind of described our future in that way. Now what do we do. When the wife is getting ready to give birth to this baby. Uh, What do we do when they're going through birth pains? We minister to them. And you and I need to have the proper perspective towards creation and suffering around us. We as Christians don't look at the suffering of people and the suffering of the world and the wars and the riots and go, Jesus said that was coming. Y'all just have fun with that. We're going to church. That is not our attitude. I did not do that with my wife when she was groaning in her labor pains. I, was, I went to her, comforted her. She didn't want it. She told me not to touch her. But I went anyway. And the world may not want you. But we're to be the best keepers of creation. The best ministers to the hurting. The best supporters of those who are groaning with creation groans. Amen? You understand what I'm saying? So, we don't take an apathetic Even though we know what the future holds, we don't don't back off in apathy. No, we run to the groaning. Jesus has set us free. We don't have to be alarmed. We run to it. And we try to minister to it. He says there's going to be a second groaning. Look at verse 23. Not only does creation groan, but our spirits groan within us. He says, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons. The redemption of our bodies. That may sound like strange language to you, so let me just talk to you about it. Why do we need to receive the adoption? I thought I was already adopted when I received Christ. Yes. If you back up in Romans, you receive the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit comes in and He tells you, You're a child of God. But the ultimate adoption, when we go to uh, visit face-to-face with our new father, when we go into his household in a physical, real sense, that is the ultimate adoption. And that's why he adds to it, there's going to be, in the future, a redemption of your body. How many of you want to keep the body you have forever? Not me. I need redeeming. Praise the Lord, right? My body, my mind doesn't work right anymore. It never has worked really good. My body's not working right. It needs redemption. It's ransoming. And here's what Jesus and the Bible needs, says. You are not designed to live forever in a heaven full of, of bodiless spirits. That is not where we're going. You go there temporarily if you die right now. You go to a bodiless, spiritual heaven. But what the future holds for you, and I want you to expect the right things, what the future holds for you is the redemption of your body, a resurrection. You are meant to live not in a bodiless, spiritual heaven forever, but in a a new body, in a new heaven, and a new earth A redeemed, restored body in a redeemed and restored earth. I want you to know what your future holds. And so he says, here's what's happening and why sometimes we struggle with being happy as Christians. Part of the reason we struggle as we watch the news and as we... we we think about our own sin and our own challenges is, look what it says in this verse. We have tasted of the first fruits of the Spirit. Verse 23. And having tasted of the first fruits of the Spirit. what, What he's saying is, remember Israel was in the wilderness in the Old Testament. They were there for 40 years and they sent some spies into the promised land and when they went into the promised land they tasted of the what the fruit and they came back and said listen this place is awesome big old giant grapes the fruit is thick on the trees and the vines two of them said let's go the other ten said yeah the It's a tasty place. It's flowing with milk and honey. That is a great place, but there's giants in the land. One day, there's going to be no giants in the land, no sin in this world, but only the fruits and the joy of fellowship with God. And you and I have tasted of that through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has given you a taste of the best life to come. And you can taste it in this life. But it's going to leave you hungry for what is real. And hungry for the rest of it. And so what you can expect for the rest of your life is to have a hunger for the rest of the fruits. A hunger for a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to groan in our spirit. Why can't I overcome sin? completely. Why can't I do what's right? You hear that when Paul in Romans 7, he says the things that I want to do, I don't do. Why? why is, he says the things I do, I don't want to do. And, and he says I struggle with inconsistency. How many of you struggle with inconsistency? All right, some of you didn't raise your hand. I need to talk with you. That just really helped me. I I struggle with inconsistency. I want consistency. Why? The Holy Spirit is, is telling me there's something more. And so my spirit groans for the revealing of the sons of God. For the redemption of my body. And so that groaning is a good thing. It's a bad thing, but it's a good thing. Because that's like labor pains. There's something great coming. And I think as society moves forward and culture moves forward, your your spirit will probably groan more intensely for the redemption of your bodies. When will that happen? When will my body be redeemed? Well, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, let me read this passage to you. First Thessalonians chapter 4. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who have died, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the what? The coming of the Lord. We're not going to precede those who have died or have already fallen asleep. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. So if you die today, before he comes, your spirit's going to come back with Jesus To get me. Right? And the rest of the church. So you got the church that's already in heaven. In spirit form. You'll have the church that's on earth that haven't died yet. We're going to meet together. Where are we going to meet? We're going to meet together in the air. Verse 17. We'll be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore encourage one another with these words as you're facing creation groans and disease and death I need to encourage you one day the Lord is going to come with a trumpet sound and a a command I don't know what that's going to be like but the dead in Christ are coming with him those who are alive in Christ will be caught up together and at that moment you will have a new resurrection body I don't know what exactly it's going to be like but it's going to be awesome and it's going to be capable of eternal life That's what I'm expecting. What are you expecting? But in the meantime, and by the way, look at verse 17. Those who are alive who are left will be caught up. The root of that word caught up, rapios, is where we get the word rapture. And like I said, I think that rapture could happen anytime. What the future holds for you is spirit groaning, creation groaning, until the rapture. Now, we don't know when it's going to happen. On our first child, Andrew, um, Sarah was in a great deal of pain, so they decided to give her what's called an epidural. An epidural is, uh, helps block some of the pain. But the problem with the epidural is it takes away the pain, but sometimes it slows down the progress. And occasionally, God will give planet Earth an epidural in the form of a revival or a great awakening our nation has received a few epidurals it was a season of revival where the people of God grew and there was peace and it brought uh, it restrained evil and so God will sometimes do that and we don't know how many times he's going to do that he might do it Uh, And I hope he does, because every revival, every time he will take away for a period of time the pain and the contractions, it is a period of grace for us to go and build the kingdom of God. There's a third pain, a third groaning. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with what? Groanings. Too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Creation is groaning. We're groaning. And our God groans with us. And our God groans for us. He's groaning in ways we don't even know how to groan. He's experiencing the depth. How can he do that? Because Jesus, God the Son, experienced what we experienced. He came and He was one of us, and he's able to identify with you in your suffering, and he can groan. He can groan on your behalf. As you face temptation and testing and trials. He can groan as you face the suffering and the hurts and the challenges. We can expect this, watch. We can expect while we're expecting that the Holy Spirit is going to comfort us. He's going to pray for us and intercede for us. Are you happy about that? Does that bring you joy? It does me. He groans with us. Praise the Lord. Yeah. that's the pain but I want you to see there's a plan look at verse 28 I bet you all know this verse a lot of you have memorized this but maybe you've never seen the context it's in the context of all this groaning labor pains until Jesus comes here's what Paul wants you to know and we know that for those who love God all things work together for what? good. why is it on verse 28? there we go. all things even the groaning things are working together for what? good. we know he's coming back but we don't know exactly what's gonna happen next week or next month but there's a plan with a God who loves us and he is working that plan for your good and my good. You need to know you can expect that while you're expecting. So I don't feel like it's for my good. I don't like what's going on. I, I, it's dark in this valley. The labor pains are killing me. Get this out of my life. Pretty soon, pretty soon, you might see the joy and the fruit of that pain. Pretty soon, you may see Jesus come back. Look at the fruit of all of Sarah's pain and my pain. Look at this picture. They appeared. They appeared. All it was for a while was a heartbeat. We didn't know what it looked like. We didn't quite know. We just knew, hey, the doctor keeps telling me that's a human being and it's going to show up one day. And the two heartbeats. And now they appeared. Just as sure as those five kids are. Those are my five kids, by the way, guests just as sure as they're standing there you're going to stand before Jesus one day are you ready are you ready are you prepared there's a preparation can I encourage you to prepare for his coming in this way you might just write these down and I'm going to talk more about this next week. Here's how Sarah and I prepared for the kids. Well, we read the book. We read the book What to Expect While You're Expecting. How many of you are reading God's book? All right. You got to read the book. They've even got Bibles with pictures in them if that helps. Read the book. Second of all, we had to trust the doctor and follow those instructions until he comes. Doesn't do any good to read the book and not follow the instructions. Man, you can tell Sarah started taking those vitamins, prenatal vitamins. She started taking, you know, doing all of the things that you needed to do and and trying to live healthy, trying to live right. Because of the glorious appearing that was coming. How many of you are trying to live right? How many of you are following the instructions? The third thing that we did with the first couple of times is we joined a group, a support group. The book tells us you need to be a part of a church, you need, to, you need support. We're not to go through the labor pains. The personal pain, the creation pains alone. You're meant to be a part of a a life group. And we'd go in there and we'd all suffer together and encourage each other and be excited together, waiting and expecting. But until He comes, we've also got to be building the family, hastening His coming growing the church growing the church sharing Christ with others in Second Peter he says we wait for and hasten the coming of the day of God the way we hasten that church is we're busy about missions we're busy about outreach we're busy about telling our neighbors we, we've got to you know, the way we hasten the coming of Christ is not coming to church We need that. We come to church. We group together. And then we go out and we reach people of Christ and we take the gospel to the utmost parts of the world and that hastens the coming of Christ. I remember the doctor, we were having a hard time and Sarah was way past her due date and the doctor says, well if you want to hasten the coming of that child there are some things you can do. But it didn't involve laying in bed or sitting on a couch. She went and she walked the mall for a couple of hours. I actually took her and rode her around on a golf cart for a few hours. Shake her up. Some of you need to get shaken up. He's coming. And you're called to get up, get off the couch, get out of bed. Hasten is coming. Build a family of God. Let's pray together. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to listen to me very quickly. Very closely. The Bible says if, the, if you're not expecting Jesus because you're not one of His, there is a terrifying expectation of judgment. Just like with those ultrasounds, there were two choices in that womb there's either a boy or a girl an XX or an XY and there's only two choices for you Jesus or judgment if, if I could take an ultrasound of your heart this morning what would we see if we could get a sonogram would we see Jesus <laughs> we could hear his heartbeat in you you could hear his voice. You'd sound like him. If Jesus is in you, you begin to kind of look like him. We could see it on you. Have you trusted Jesus? All you have to do is invite him in. Turn from your sin. Ask for the forgiveness of your sin. And invite Christ to come in then you no longer have an expectation of a terrifying judgment you have an expectation of a glorious appearing when he comes again and I'm sorry I can't preach sermons that tell you that your life's gonna be perfect maybe that frustrated you that I told you there's gonna be intensification of periods of pain in our world, and creation, and even in our spirit. But Jesus said, don't let that alarm you. Let it encourage you because that means I'm coming soon. You trust Him. He's groaning with you and for you in your pain. We're going to have a hymn of invitation, a time of singing, and maybe it's a time where you'd like to come and pray and just say, thank you, God, that you're with me and just... Leave your groaning right here on the altar. If you're, if you're suffering this morning, we have counselors that are going to be up here would love to just take you by the hand, pray for you. We can go to one of our counseling areas and they can just walk with you through that struggle. We want to help you. You come as we sing. If you're here to join our fellowship, whatever the Lord's leading you, I invite you to come. Father, this is your invitation. I pray that all of us, uh, know what we're expecting, to see you, to be adopted as one of your children. I pray if we're not, God, we'll make it ready and make it right this morning. God, I pray that you will just see you and know that you are groaning with us in our trials, that you have a sovereign plan over our lives and over this world. Help us rest in that today, in Christ's name, Amen.